The Gospel lesson for this 15th Sunday after Trinity comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, verses 24 through 34, and it's on page 685 of the Pew Bible. In this Gospel lesson, Jesus assures us that we have no reason to be anxious about anything. So please stand as you are able for the Gospel. From Matthew 6, we begin reading at verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus says, do not be anxious, or do not worry. There are so many different things that cause us worry and anxiety. We worry about things we need, but may not have. We worry about things we want, but can't afford. We worry about things we already have, but are afraid of losing. We worry about so many things. In some cases, to be sure, anxiety might be a medical problem, but I'll let your doctor deal with that part. But for all of us, at least part of it is faith, or the lack thereof. We think too highly of ourselves and too little of God. We think that we are the masters of our own destiny. We think that we control our futures. And part of the reason we think this way is simply because we know the reality of cause and effect. We know that buckling our seatbelts and eating our vegetables makes a difference. And we know several other things do as well. It's obvious in terms of cause and effect that if we think through things ahead of time, we can spare ourselves all sorts of trouble. So we try to foresee all the possible future outcomes, and we try to avoid the especially unpleasant ones. 
Now, this, of course, isn't bad. It's natural wisdom, and that is good. But it turns to worry when we start to think that we are the masters of our own destiny. We're like children doing something that we think is important or maybe even a little bit dangerous, but forgetting the presence of mom and dad. They are watching, and they are really the ones in control. And just like those children, we forget that our Heavenly Father is watching intently the whole time. We forget that he holds us in his loving hands. And this isn't just worry. This is idolatry. You see, if we control our own destinies, then we make ourselves out to be our own gods. We trust in ourselves rather than the one who truly holds all things in his providential hands. This, of course, is sin. And it has a harmful effect on us. If we are the masters of our own destinies, then not only can we make our futures good, maybe, but we might also make a complete disaster of them. And so we become anxious. But life would be so much more enjoyable if we didn't worry so much. So Jesus says to us, do not worry. Do not be anxious. Now, I don't know about you, but this command does not always help. It really depends on who says it and whether or not they have a good reason to say it. Some people you might hear say, don't worry so much. Whatever is going to happen is going to happen, and there isn't anything you can do about it. Well, that's bad advice, because that's not faith. That's fatalism, and there is a huge difference. Fatalism says, whatever will be, will be. It might be good, it might be bad, but there's nothing you can do about it. So don't spend your time worrying. Just take whatever comes. But in the back of our minds, we know that isn't true. From a very early age, we learn the reality of cause and effect. We learn that if we touch a hot stove, we will get burned. So we start to worry about burning ourselves. But faith freely admits the reality that our actions might impact our future. But faith also believes that despite our worst efforts, our Heavenly Father holds our futures in his providential, loving, and all-powerful hands. And this is why Jesus can say to us, do not worry. So when someone says to you, don't worry, everything depends on who says it and whether or not you trust them. If the person doesn't really care about you or if they don't actually have the ability to do something, then it doesn't help. If anything, it might just make things worse. But when the person who says, don't worry, is trustworthy, then everything is different. If a child becomes worried when he sees that a Happy Meal is $3.99 and that seems like a lot of money, mom and dad say, don't worry, we can afford it. And then the child doesn't worry, everything is fine. So instead of just saying, do not worry or do not be anxious, it really helps when someone trustworthy 
gives you a reason to not be worried. And that is what Jesus does here. He tells us to look at the birds of the air or the flowers of the field. God provides everything they need. Are you not of more value than they? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. When Jesus tells us to not be anxious, he gives us a reason. And that reason is our Heavenly Father's providential care. He is powerful. He knows what you need, and he loves you. Therefore, do not worry. Rather, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. This is a marvelous promise. How, how wonderful it would be to simply take God at his word and let him worry about all the necessities of our lives. This, after all, is what he promises to do. But this promise is still hard to believe, isn't it? We still worry. Why? Over and over again, God proves his faithfulness. So why are we still so anxious? On one level, I suppose the answer is the same as why we continue to struggle with any sin. Because we still have a sinful nature. Faith does not come naturally to the old sinful flesh. In fact, faith does not come to the old sinful flesh at all. Your sinful flesh is never converted. It never believes. It is only the new person, created in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, who believes. And so because of this, our, our daily lives are this constant struggle between sin and righteousness, between faith and doubt, between confidence and anxiety. So if you have been a Christian for years and years, maybe, maybe even your entire life, and yet you still continue to struggle with anxiety. It's not because you are different from other Christians. And it's not because you are worse than other Christians. It is simply because you are the same as other Christians. We live in this constant tension between faith and doubt, trust and worry. And this is why the word of God keeps coming to us. This is why the Holy Spirit keeps teaching us over and over again that God is still our gracious Heavenly Father who knows exactly what we need even before we get around to asking for it and even before we get around to worrying about it. God is your Heavenly Father. This is because of his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has become your brother. He became as we are, yet without sin, without our doubt, to suffer and die as one of us, so that he might bring us to God. He has become our brother. And if he is our brother, then we have the same father. We are adopted as children of God. And if you are adopted as a child of God, then you have all the rights and privileges of Jesus Christ himself. So God becomes your gracious Heavenly Father, 
who knows exactly what you need, even before you ask for it, even before you start to worry about it. And so you can trust that God will take care of all you need. Now, you might believe every word of this. At this moment, you may have peace and joy in your heart, knowing that you are in your Father's hands. You should believe this, because it's true. But at some point, and in some form, anxiety will return. It always does. Even when we believe the promises, anxiety still returns. And it's not just because we are sinful. There's another reason, too. There's something that we all know, something that causes us to become anxious. We are anxious because we all know we are going to die. And we don't like it. I mean, how can anyone say, do not worry, when everybody dies of something? God may assure us that we are of much greater worth than the birds of the air, the flowers of the field, but we also know the birds still die and the flowers still wither. Jesus even says as much. Even though God feeds them and clothes them, they still die. And we know the same is true for us, and we don't like it. It makes us anxious. Even if we can't completely avoid death, we would very much like to delay it, if we can. We know that even if God provides for all our bodily needs, our bodies are still going to fail, and we are going to die. And when this moment comes, no amount of food or clothing, shelter or money or anything else will be able to prevent it. God may promise us daily bread and clothing, but he does not say that these things will keep us from dying. And so these things, they never seem like enough. And this makes us anxious. And it's true, these things are not enough. They do not solve the greatest problem our bodies face. They cannot fix death. For that, we need something else. We need something more. And God knows that too. And this is why Jesus says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Ultimately, what your body needs is an answer to death. When you receive the kingdom of God and Christ's own righteousness, then and only then are all these things truly added to you. Only then does God's provision become an eternal gift. Daily bread, as good as it is, it still perishes. It is here today and it is gone tomorrow, hence the name daily bread. We need it every day and God provides it every day. But Jesus draws our minds to something more, his kingdom and his righteousness. And just as God provides daily bread, so God also provides this. Jesus, elsewhere, he calls it the food that endures to eternal life. It is his own body, crucified and risen for the forgiveness of sins. Our greatest bodily needs are met in his body. 
If death is the greatest enemy of our bodies, then our greatest bodily need is resurrection from the dead. And this is exactly what Jesus gives us when he feeds us with his own body and blood. This is what he promises us through the sacrament. Today, Jesus feeds us. When we receive this sacrament together, it is not just bread and a cup. It is the very body and blood of Jesus. And it is not just the body and blood that was crucified. It is the body and blood that was raised from the dead, that possesses immortality. It is our crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ who is given to us. And with this body and blood given to us, we receive everything that it possesses. So Jesus assures us, do not worry. Your heavenly Father will provide everything you need for this life. And even after this life, after your body fails and is laid in the ground, Jesus promises, I will return and I will raise your body from the dead. Because that really is our greatest bodily need. This is how Jesus promises to meet your greatest bodily need. And as a token of this promise, he gives to you his very own body and blood to confirm unto you the forgiveness of all your sins. So do not worry and do not be anxious. Your gracious Heavenly Father truly has given you everything you need for this life and the next. He is trustworthy. He is powerful. He knows you, and he loves you. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.